Okay, this morning, let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians. I know that your bulletin says Mark, but I'm going to have to leave that last chapter, the last section for next time. Ephesians chapter 5, I, I did forget it was Mother's Day today, and not that I always do a Mother's Day message, but I did forget, and uh, so um, I kind of switched. So let's just look at our Bibles in Ephesians chapter 5, verse, let's see, verse um, 15 through 21. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, this morning as I do break open the word of God, I pray, Lord, that you would just enable us to see the important evidences there are here in the scripture to recognize what it means to walk in the spirit. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would uh, bless all our uh, mothers and our future mothers and our mothers that have raised kids and they're gone, that you would just bless them, Lord, and continue to put your hand upon them as they uh, provide different levels of counsel as the years go by. I pray you would give them wisdom, and I pray, Lord, that you would enable them to not only know, but enable them to share with others what it means to walk in the Spirit. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, as I think of uh, Mother's Day, um, I also think of a passage of Scripture like this where it's really talking about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I can use a message like this and refer it to men also. It's really for every Christian, not just for uh, women, but I'm calling it this morning the the women of the spirit. And the woman of the spirit is a female who is controlled, strengthened, and empowered by the Holy Spirit for Christian living and Christian service. And that means that she puts her self at the disposal of the Holy Spirit of God and is constantly controlled by the Spirit of God. And that means she is not controlled by other things like the evil forces of our day by strong drinks or drugs or even the baser desires of the flesh. But she is, she's come to a place where she is controlled by the Spirit in which she is living out the passage of Scripture that says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So because she is controlled by the Spirit, that leads out of her uh, really the nobler instincts and capacities of her own soul that has been transformed by God over the years. And we, we need people, we need women, we need men, we need Christians who are actually giving evidence that they are indeed walking in 
the spirit. Now, how would we know if somebody was or wasn't? Well, there are certain evidences to look for. And I'm just going to bring out a few in this passage of Scripture, but there are really three, and that we know that one of them would be that a somebody is walking in the Spirit is someone who lives joyfully. Someone who is walking in the Spirit is someone who lives thankfully. And then someone who is walking in the Spirit knows how to live selflessly and worshipfully. Those are the evidences that we find in this passage of Scripture that you can evaluate yourself with. Am I living like that? Am I a woman like that? Am I a mother like that? I think that if a mother realizes these things and passes them on to her children, she will do them great, a great benefit in teaching them what it means to live uh, by listening to and being controlled by God's Spirit and not by the world and not by the enemy of our soul, Satan, and not by our own flesh but by what, what, what God wants. So the first thing is to know how to live joyfully. In verse number 19 of our passage, it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody within your heart to the Lord. Now, immediately, once you see a passage of Scripture like this, you see that someone who is walking in the Spirit is also someone who is, it is coming from somewhere, and it's coming from their very heart. Inside of them, remember, Christianity is not being cleaned up from outside in. Christianity, you're getting cleaned up from inside, and it bears fruit outwardly. So in this particular case, we are to speak to one another in a certain way. And this means that the object and the focus of her life and someone who's walking in the Spirit is the Lord himself. That is her focus, not her problems, not even herself. She has an occupation with spiritual things, an enjoyment with spiritual things. She has joy inside that is really expressed outwardly in fellowship uh, with her family, in fellowship with her brethren, but also in fellowship with her husband and with her children. So when the focus of a believer's heart is the Lord, then Christian joy will definitely be present. Matter of fact, When you don't have joy, you have to be asking yourself how you're doing. If you don't have the peace of God and the sense of the peace of God in your heart and life, no matter what's going on in your your little world, you have to ask yourself, how am I doing spiritually? What's going on that I've lost, in a sense, my joy, or I've lost the peace of God? So in really, in spiritual fellowship, we address one another not in worldly chatter, but in really psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The word uh, speak here, to speak one another to one another in this way, is it's, it's really in a command uh, to talk to, to converse with, but in a particular way. It implies the purity and the joyful simplicity of conversation. Conversation that is not loaded up with wrong motives. It's not loaded up with intention. It's not loaded up with, with ammunition against the person. It's, 
it's joyful conversation. And of course, Psalms uh, speaks of the nature and the work of actually God the Father. Now, just take your Bibles for a minute and turn to Psalm 95. Keep your hand there in Ephesians. Psalm 95. I just want to want you to see that if a woman is filled with joy, if a Christian is filled with joy, if a husband is filled with joy, if anyone who is a believer is filled with joy, there is going to be a reason why they have a joy. And if you notice in Psalm 95 in verse number 1, if you're not turning there, uh, listen, please. It says in verse number 1, O come and let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. So here we get an indication of what psalms are talking about. But why do we speak to the Lord uh, and others in a joyful manner. Well, if you notice in verse number 3 of Psalm 95, it says, For the Lord is great. He's a great God, a great king above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it. He has formed it, the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, don't harden your heart, but what? Instead, let your heart be transformed by Him so you are able to speak to others and about the Lord in a joyful manner. In other words, The Lord is the subject here of why a person has joy. They know who God is. They know what he requires. They know what he wants him to do, what he wants them to do. And so that's the first thing. A second thing it says in Ephesians chapter 5 is that we're to speak to one another with hymns. Now, hymns are also songs of praise, but they're directed really at the redemptive work of Christ. Christ, the Son of God. In other words, that the person who has this kind of joy also understands that they have been saved by Jesus Christ. They understand and they know they have come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. They have received him as their own Lord and Savior, and now they are saved. God has delivered them from the condemnation of sin Jesus Christ had satisfied the wrath of God and the justice of God, and they are now free to live for the Lord. And so therefore, because of that, they sing hymns of praise. That's what they do. They understand what true salvation is. And not only that, they want to tell it to other people. And mothers want to make sure that their children, when they have children, understand the gospel of Jesus Christ so they can know they have a relationship with God. So they don't, when they go out into that world, and this world is really godless, we know that, and it's become more and more godless every day. God is thrown out of everything from the top to the bottom. He is not welcomed anywhere anymore. Well, when your children walk out of the house and they go to school or wherever they go, they're not going to get any message 
about who the true and living God is. They're not going to get any of that stuff out there. So it has to come from you. It has to come from the home. The home is the center of everything in Scripture, especially for the woman. That's her sphere of influence. That's where she can reverse the curse of Adam and give the gospel to their kids so they become real believers in this world. And that generation can begin to propagate another generation and another generation until the Lord tarries and comes back. But it's this attitude of joy that is the evidence in a person's heart every day that they are a believer. And so they're speaking in psalms, they're speaking in hymns, and then also it says in Ephesians that they're speaking in spiritual songs. And spiritual songs have to do... uh, is directed at really the work of the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. And the, the, word, the, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit comes, is done by the Spirit of God by actually the Word of God. For it tells us in Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving uh, or thankfulness to the Lord. So again, being word-filled is all, all the same as being spirit-filled. In, in other words, the Spirit of God doesn't make you joyful and unless he uses the Word of God to transform your mind and heart so you understand what it means to be joyful and to walk in the Spirit and to notice the evidences of being a genuine Christian. So, in other words, a woman who is who joyfully converses with others, exhorting them to worship their Lord and practice a God-Christ-centered consciousness in their life. All this music originates in the heart when a person is at peace with God, when they understand their standing with God because of Christ and his sacrifice on their behalf as their substitute, their heart indicates that by the joy that comes out of it. So the heart indicates not so much the place as the manner and attitude in which a person filled with the Spirit of God is singing. All right, so if we're speaking specifically about women, she is also aware of the difference between worldly joy and Christian joy. That worldly joy is joy that is really derived from earthly pleasure. Whatever this world can give us that makes pleasure, they can derive it from that. But that worldly joy, it tells us in Scripture, is also a joy that is delusive. It's not the real thing. It only lasts for a short period of time. It's also, it is short-lived. It tells us in Job that the triumphing, triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the godless is momentary. It's only for this life. It's not for anything else. It doesn't transcend this world. It's can't be brought into the eternal state. Also, it can be taken away. Isaiah, the prophet, tells us, and gladness and joy are taken away from the 
fruitful field. In the vineyards also there is also no cries of joy or jubilant shouting. No treader treads out wine in the presence, in the presses, for I have made the shouting to see. Something happens there where God removes the joy that is produced by having a crop that comes in every year, having food on the table that makes you, uh, gives you this, uh, source, the source of joy or whatever else takes place. When God is absent, there really cannot be genuine Holy Spirit joy. Also, there is a God side of joy, a supernatural joy. The Bible tells us in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This joy is a really a work of God in the inner man. It's what the Lord is producing in us. You know, everything could be going wrong in your life, and you, can, you, can, you will have this kind of joy. This joy is not the joy that is robbed by circumstances. It's not robbed by people sinning against you. It's not robbed in any other way. It's a joy that God gives you, and it's a joy that is unspeakable. It's hard to define, but you know you have it, but you know you have it because of the source of where it comes from, because the source is from God. Psalms 4 in verse number 7 says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than when there their grain and new wine abound. It's the Lord himself that puts gladness in our heart. And of course, it's given to us through Christ by the Holy Spirit of God, where it tells us in John 17 in Christ's high priestly prayer, but now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy made full in themselves, the full joy of God given to us by God. And so God gives it to us. But there is also a side of joy that's for us. It's for those who live on this earth as believers. And, of course, it comes through the word of God. For 1 John 1, 4 tells us, and these things we write so that your joy may be made complete. And that joy is also connected with when we go through troubles and trials, where it tells us in James, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. How is it that we can go through trials and still have joy? How is it that we can go through a time of sickness and still have joy? How is it we can lose out financially, maybe on something we've been banking on for a long time, and lose it and still maintain our joy? How is it that we can have joy well during trials? Is because the joy, the source of the joy, comes from God himself. And, of course, that joy also produces hope. It produces a hope for the future. So the definition of Christian joy is an emotion springing from a deep, 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 deep confidence that God is in perfect control of everything that goes on in your life. Everything. That you have a mind that you understand providence. You understand how God is working in your life. Now, you may not have the answers to exactly how to define everything that's going on in your life, but I tell you this, that you have a confidence 
that God is definitely in control in your life as a believer, as a child of God. In fact, there's no event or circumstance that can occur in a Christian's life that should diminish a Christian's joy. There's none except one, sin. When you sin, you're going to lose your joy. When you sin, you are going to not be joyful. <laughs> You're not going to be any of, any of those things because sin robs you of the things that God wants to give you because now you're looking, your desires, your passions are looking somewhere else to get fulfilled instead of God. And so therefore, you're going to lose the joy that God gives you. But remember, Christians are to have a joyful heart and a joyful heart is beneficial not only to our physical being and our spiritual health, it is beneficial. It even tells us in Proverbs, a joyful heart is good medicine. It's good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So don't you want to be and have this kind of joy? These are the kind of characteristics that are very, very impressionable upon children. To know a child can say that my mom, for the most of her life, have been, has been joyful. You know, And that's going to teach them to be joyful, to know what joy looks like, to know how to act in difficult situations and still have joy, and to respond to people that are negative and derogatory with joy. How do I do that in the flesh? Where do I get that from the world? I don't get it from anywhere except from the Lord himself, from his spirit, that he gives it to us. Now, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and look very briefly at the other two evidences uh, of women of the spirit or any Christian of the spirit and ask yourself this morning, how are you doing? Do you exemplify that kind of joy? Well, the second thing is that women of the Spirit know how to live thankfully. Ephesians 5.21, always giving thanks for some things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Does it say that? It doesn't say that, does it? It says always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And notice again, the focus of the thankfulness is Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the focal point of the one who's walking in the Spirit. And there are few times and few circumstances in which a person does not give thanks. In fact, there's a constant character about this person always thanking the Lord and Father for all things. It is true that a grateful person is a godly person, that godliness and gratitude in all things go hand in hand. As our text communicates, thankfulness is the preeminent sign of being filled 
with the Spirit of God, being thankful for trials, being thankful for pain, being thankful for adverse circumstances in your life that are not going the way you may hope for or intended. And yet there comes out of you a thankfulness, Lord, even for those times in my life because I've, as I said before, we don't really learn things when things are going our way all the time. We don't learn things when everything's in order all the time, our plans and agenda are taking place perfectly, we learn nothing then. We only learn when there's a curveball thrown into all of it because then it really shows who we are. It shows who we are in the way we respond to it and react to it, and it shows who we are in our heart. How are we doing with the Lord when those times come? Well, you're going to find out when the curveball comes. You may have to repent of sin at that point because you may not respond the way you know you should. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 says, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. So here is a person, and here's, the, here's really the view of the whole world. Those who take their understanding of creation and twist it into something other than what God intended, and so they worship the creature more than the creator. And when they do that, they do not give thanks. They are not thankful to God. They are otherwise. A good way, I think, to illustrate how thankfulness is linked to godliness and ingratitude is typically linked, really, to infidelity and ungodliness and also can be traced back to the origination of our our Thanksgiving Day when George Washington, who was a godly man, made the first presidential proclamation for Thanksgiving He was a man of faith who trusted in the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ, his Savior, and for his only hope of redemption. Just really a few years later, the third president, Thomas Jefferson, discontinued Thanksgiving Day. Jefferson was the least religious of all the founding fathers, in fact, He cut out all of the miraculous elements in the New Testament, and he depleted and paced scripture to his liking. Hopefully, you don't do that. It ended up, though, the fact that Jesus died and was buried and the stone rolled over the door, for him, it was that was the end. That was the period. That was the end of the story. And thanks to Jefferson... Two-thirds of uh, a century passed until the holiday was reestablished by Abraham Lincoln. And it's interesting that the reestablished day of Thanksgiving by Abraham Lincoln was in the same month that he testified in a letter at Gettysburg that he had three, 
he had there committed his heart to Jesus Christ and found that, that peace which so long eluded him. So we see that thankfulness is really some, symbolic of being spirit-filled. And, of course, ingratitude, not being thankful, is typical of infidelity, ungodliness, unrighteousness, unholiness. And it's, it is, it's tragic but true that there is little thankfulness in the world. But a woman of the Spirit should be characterized by a constant thankfulness. And why? Because she's rooted in Jesus Christ. And all her thankfulness abounds from that relationship. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 says, Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. How is it that the word of God is the very source in which not only we maintain our joy, but we maintain this attitude of being thankful for everything? We practice thankfulness. So the person is meticulous about being thankful for even the littlest things and to do it often. I've mentioned before I actually had a chance to meet Johnny Erickson Tada, who, a uh, wonderful Christian lady, uh, paralyzed, quadriplegic uh, from a diving accident in Virginia, And she said this, you do not realize there are times when I would give everything in the world simply to be able to scratch someplace that itches. How many times have we thanked God for the ability to scratch someplace that itches? We don't think of those little things. See, we take for granted things like this and other things like that practicing ingratitude instead of thankfulness. So those who are walking in the Spirit, they are a blessing to those who are around them because they see the glass half full, not half empty. We need more people and more Christians and more mothers and women personified such gratitude and such joy that can spill out of their lives into the persons that they influence. And there's nothing, really no one, a person, a a mother's going to influence more than her children. See, we need more of that, especially these days. And why is that? Well, 2 Timothy 3.1 tells us, but realize this that in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy. So see, the, the very attitudes that come out of our society I mean, all you've got to do is turn on the news. Do you see thankfulness on the news? Do you see joy on the news? 
Anything that comes out of the the news, it seems like it's nothing but derogatory and negative, and you know, it's there's nothing encouraging about it at all. So, see, we come to the Word of God and we find these passages, and we say, well, these are the ingredients, the evidences of walking in the Spirit. And of course, there's one last thing in Ephesians five twenty one, and it says this, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Well, in that passage, she, she is a person who focuses on the needs of others. Unity is, of course, is essential, is essential result of dealing with people. And she's, she is subject to others. Why? In the sphere of Christ. She's, in other words, a God-fearer. She fears God. That is very important. Not only in wisdom, in the wisdom literature, we see that somebody who fears God comes to a knowledge of who God really is. Without the fear of God, there is no knowledge that is actually beneficial for us to understand what it means to have a relationship with God. But here, she is someone who fears God. And as I said before, to fear God is to be afraid enough to to care what he says. And yes, that's part of it. We think about the holiness of God. God is, and, and you know, we, we do have something going on in our mind when we think about how great and awesome God is. We are amazed by him, and at the same time, we're terrified by him. We're terrified by what he is able to do and what he will do. See, some people say, well, God would never send anybody to hell. But if you read scripture, if somebody doesn't believe in Christ, he has to, because that's his character. Cannot change his character. So a woman who is a God, is spirit-filled, will be someone who fears God. She will be afraid of God enough to care what he says, but will be humble enough to submit to his authority. In other words, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. And so that always encompasses both terror and reverence. They, they, they mix together. They go together. It's a submission, and it's an all before God. And so where I started off in Galatians 5, 16, it says, but I say walk it by the Spirit. And walk means make sure the direction of your life is the Holy Spirit. The quality of your life is the quality of the Holy Spirit. If you do that, you will not carry out the old desires of the flesh. Your default won't be the way you used to do things. You won't even go to the default because your default is going to be erased. You're going to have new characteristics in your life and in your heart. So in other words, that women of the Spirit behave with a joyful spirit. Women of the Spirit overflow with a thankful heart, and women of the Spirit submit with a reverent attitude to God. So I pray that the Lord would fill his church with women, mothers, wives, who practice each day to be a woman who walks in the Spirit, which of course in turn will make the church and the world a more joyful, thankful, and worshipful place. 
It will. But it starts with God's church. It starts with moms. It starts with fathers. It starts with Christians who actually practice these evidences every single day until it becomes a habit in your life, until this is who you are. This is what God made you to be. And believe me, that kind of person has incredible impact and influence, not only on her children, but everybody that he or she meets. I pray you want to be that kind of person. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I just ask you, Lord, that you would take these words and this passage, Lord. I pray that you would impress upon our minds, our souls, that these things are important to you, that these are the very things once we become believers, the Spirit of God actually does in our life. And I pray, Lord, that we ourselves and others would see the evidences of these characteristics coming out of our very demeanor, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we respond. And I pray, Lord, that it would be coming from our heart because we have a relationship with you, Father, through Christ, because we know our sins are forgiven, because we know that you have given us the promise when Christ left of the Spirit of God to indwell us. And Lord, because you've given us the Word of God that does the same thing that the Spirit of God wants to do, using the Word of God to do it, to make us Spirit-filled believers who speak to one one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, who are joyful, who are thankful, and who are worshipful. Please, Lord, make us those kind of people. Do it for the sake of your great name, for the salvation of families and country. And I pray this in your name. Amen.